Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we got a special, special, special guest, and Tony's going to introduce him. This is Brian Anthony Davila Losada. Damn. Don't, don't say the social. Holy crap. <laughs> he is the CEO of Wealthy Investor, the coaching program that we are coaches in, formerly Future Flipper, now rebranded to become a multi, multi million dollar, billion dollar company with 100%. Ryan Pineda. He was one of the early adopters. And Brian's also doing some stuff on his own, too. He's got some holding companies where he's got properties and then he has rocket home offer where he's buying properties to either wholesale or flip or lose money on a flip or make money on a flip ah. and he also has uh e-com business he got a few other businesses that i probably missed yeah. right got a lot of stuff going on how did you find that information i know everything dang yeah that's crazy most people don't know all that stuff but Look, uh we could do an entire podcast about how many times you got in trouble for driving violations. <laughs> I literally just got a ticket today. Oh, <laughs> I swear, I got a ticket today. So, dang. Now I'm nervous. Now, oh man, is this going to be like an exposed video? He hasn't consistently gotten anything like, you know, speeding once, like... Uh, he like, learns his lessons quick driving through a red light once like texting while <laughs> driving once like he has one of everything <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious he needs, that's that, he needs that window tent well anyway thanks for coming on mr brian Devilla. tony what's our first question for him man brian uh you grew up around the midwest kind of right so your parents were immigrants from puerto rico and then you started life in ohio no. So I'm, yeah, now you failed on that one. But, okay, uh, all right. <laughs> so I actually uh, was born in Puerto Rico and then moved to Las Vegas when I was like five. Mm. So yeah, I grew up in Vegas. So was when you did you do you even remember Puerto Rico? Uh, yeah. Okay. So what was the transition like? Was it like you were moving to another country or did it feel kind of similar? Uh, well, in Puerto Rico, most people don't speak English. Uh, some do. But uh, my family didn't speak English, so we spoke Spanish. Mm. So moving here, I actually had to go to ESL classes. Uh, Eng English is a second language. Uh, so that kind of sucked as a child, like having to be separated and then, you know, learn English while everyone else is like, you know, just going about their normal day. Um, so I think that was pro and then, uh, that, and then my mom didn't speak English. So I kind of learned English a little bit faster. Um, so that was also like, there was a transition period with that also. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. Did you teach your parents English? And do you still know Spanish now? 
Uh, I, I can understand Spanish and I can speak it very like uh, it's not good. But um, I didn't teach my mom English. Like she knew English, but like she had an accent and like she just didn't like she would say stuff wrong sometimes. So I was like helping kind of like a uh, teacher because I was going to school full time learning English. Hmm. What was it like for you growing up? Everybody's just a kid from somewhere. How did you grow up? Uh, so I had a pretty interesting childhood. So coming here from Puerto Rico, grew up with a single mom. Um, she used to work two jobs. Um, I would kind of like help watch my little sister. Um, we had some, uh, I would say tough times as a child, but, uh, so it wasn't the, I wouldn't say it was like the best childhood, but it, it was good enough. What do you mean by tough times? What does that mean? Uh, tough times, like, uh, not having money, um, a woman trying to raise two kids by herself, there's going to be challenges. Um, I think my mom, like, I think like most people, if you're, if you're trying to work two jobs, take care of two kids, you know, financially take care of everything. It could be very frustrating. So I had to like learn how to not frustrate her. And I think she kind of, uh, like was a little abrasive. Um, and I actually had to fix that as an adult myself, because growing up with someone who's abrasive, you grow up and then you're also abrasive. So I had to work, look at myself and understand like, okay, this is something I actually need to work on. Um, so yeah. So wh where is your dad in the picture then? Uh, my dad lives in Florida, so I didn't grow up with my dad at all. Nope. Hmm. Did you ever communicate with him then or? Uh, no, I, I think I started talking to him when I was like 16. Like, I think he came and visited like once or twice, but not anything like never got child support, never got clothes or anything. So uh, a lot of people who grow up uh, with an immigrant family tend to be more successful and yeah. you know, there, there could be like different factors. It's it's sort of a stereotype, but it's also a truth at the same time, statistically. Yeah. And the reason that I came up with was just that like, well, that's the 1% of that country, because in order to even make it here, it's a huge commitment, a huge chore, a huge, like, it takes a lot just to get into this country. What do you feel like you got? Uh, is there extra pressure from your mom? Like, her being like, listen, I did all this so that you could have a better life. And now you have a responsibility to be successful. Yeah. You feel pressure. No. And I, I, and I don't necessarily think like it's a, it's just like an immigrant thing. So I think that a lot of people who grow up in a household where they are aware of finances at an early age and they're aware like oh I have to make money this is not just like mommy and daddy could just buy me anything I think a lot of those people end up being more financially successful uh just because like they start at an earlier age um and I think the pressure that I got was just wanting to take care of my mom because I watched her literally like work her ass off take care of us like 
there was no handouts. I don't remember my mom getting food stamps or any of that stuff. Like she just worked and took care of us. So I remember at an early age, I was like, oh, I have to work like, like early, early, like, like elementary, like, oh, I have to work. Like I have to make money. I have to like help support. I remember like my mom crying because she couldn't pay the rent. And I'm like, okay, like, this is what it is. I got to do something about it. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's like a 1% thing. I think it's just like a, a motivation and a, and a financial uh, awareness that a lot of people have, especially coming from like other countries or a poor background. Yeah. It's interesting as you say that, because I, I do notice a big correlation between people who start to like have that belief basically of like, man, I got to step up and start taking care of my family or support because especially when you're the only male too, you know, you said you have a sister and a mom. So then sometimes you just have that, like, man, I got to take care of these people. And for some reason that like shifts everything inside of you to where now it's becomes a part of your identity. They're like, man, I got to provide for yep. my family, even at like, you know, a very young age, like for me, it happened somewhere around five or six. So that's crazy that you mentioned that. The thing that I always find interesting, though, that I remember when I was young is that I didn't know I was poor. So did you know that you were poor or did it feel like this is just life? Uh, I, I, so there was two things I wanted to share. One, uh, I was talking to my therapist about this and she said that Another reason why uh, a lot of men become successful that come back from like not having a lot of money is because their drive to want to feel uh, love or appreciation or respect, they find that by accomplishing stuff. So the more money they have in the bank, the more that they, they feel special. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to like offset what they were lacking earlier with monetary success and uh, to answer your question, growing up, I didn't think I was like poor by anything, but I just knew we didn't have money. So like my my sister, like let's say we went to Blockbuster and my sister wanted like those little crunch candies. I would be like, oh, like we don't put it back. Like we don't have money for that. Or like, oh, we can't buy that. We don't have money. So I didn't think we were poor, but I was just like, oh, we don't have money. We have to save because mom needs money. Yeah, it was just like a part of life. Yeah. The interesting thing, too, that I noticed in myself, it was funny because uh, I, I was also talking to my therapist. I call him a counselor. I don't know. It sounds different, but <laughs> I, was talking, therapist, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to my therapist. And uh, what I found is that I actually looked for more certainty. And so what I did in my life is there's so much uncertainty in different areas. Like for me, it was, you know, different things other than just money. But I had a lot of uncertainty. So for me, having some sort of certainty helps. And so then whenever I have structure and that kind of thing, like business is a lot of structure, then you have more certainty, you have more stability. And so the more money that you have, the more perceived stability you have. So it is yeah. interesting how sometimes it could be for love. Sometimes it could be notoriety. Sometimes it could just be just to be more stable. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it usually happens at a young age because your story is very similar to Grant Cardone's where something happened with his dad, his dad actually died and then his mom couldn't support him financially. But then that changed his mindset about money to where now he believes it. So it's usually interesting how from a young age, something happened to where now it just changed your identity. So it sounds like that happened to you pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird how like the older I get, the more I notice that my childhood pretty much shaped who I was, where 
most people think like, oh, when I become a teenager, then I'm going to go out and find myself. But you actually are already yourself. But now you're about to go see how that interacts with the world. Yep, for sure. You studied at the College of Southern Nevada. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Is this Nardwar? Do you know what it, you're like Nardwar? What the I hell? Have your first rap CD. I couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you studied at the College of Southern Nevada. Yeah. Why did you go to college? Did it pay off? What did you go for? How'd you go to college when you're a dropout too? Talk about that as well. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So at the time, you didn't need a high school diploma to go to college. So I couldn't get like a a scholarship, but I could pay for my classes cash. And as long as I could pay, I could go. So I was working at like 15 and then I started paying to go to college uh, because I was just like, all right, I don't know. I don't know what else to do. So I just was going to college and I, I, I remember I had to take like, uh, I, I think they're called elective classes. Yeah. So I took a, uh, philosophy class, uh, and then I, and then I had to take another elective. So I just randomly chose sociology and then I like fell in love with like sociology and psychology. So at CSN, my major was sociology and I would like take classes like philosophy, sociology 101, 102, 103, um, just like different stuff. Like I took, I took, I took a class like uh philosophy or uh psychology of deviant, deviancy or something like that. I don't remember, but I was like obsessed with like pretty much psychology and like how the world works and why, why do people do the things they do? The philosophy, the philosophy of religion. That was a really interesting class that I took. So I, I I enjoyed stuff like that. Like I like math, history, stuff like that. I didn't do well in, but if it was something that I was interested in, I would get straight A's. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about batch leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try batch leads today. Hmm. It's interesting because I feel like my experience of college, I went to like a college that was very liberal and it was really obvious that they had that bias there. And so when I took philosophy, uh, they they gave some of the linguistic arguments. That was the one that was the least biased. But sociology felt very biased, where they're basically like, this is the reason why things are the way they are. And it's because of all of the poor leadership we had from the past. And things are really bad right now. Yeah. Kind of similarly with psychology, where they're like, you learn everything from your parents, but we also learned everything from all of the people who created the United States and they're terrible. So it was like that. It was like that. But I, I remember like my teacher, one of my teachers was like, 
same thing, complaining about how things were and et cetera, et cetera. But I guess there, there was like two main philosoph uh, philosophies, I guess, the sociology. There was one that the top is manipulating the bottom. And I forgot the other one, what it was, but I leaned, I was like in the middle. I could understand how the top manipulates the bottom, obviously, with like slavery, Christopher Columbus, like all the things that got us here. But then I could also see how like, you know, things just happen and yeah, it, it is what it is. Mm. So you're thinking like, I need to be one of those people on the top. Is that what? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, actually, I didn't want to be one of those people to the, in the top. I started off wanting to legit be a sociologist. So I was like doing the after work uh, activities and stuff like that to, to get my degree. And then what I, when I saw how much social workers made, I decided that it wasn't for me because I was literally doing what they do day to day and they were like broke. And my mom, she works in the social world. So she was also broke. So after starting that, I was like, oh, like, I don't want to be broke for the rest of my life. Like, this is not the lifestyle that I want. So I, that's why I dropped out of college. That's interesting because I developed similar values from college too, where I was like, oh, we need to help all these yeah. other people. And like, there are so many people who are being victimized and like, I need to like create equality for those people. Those yeah. are some of the values that I absorbed from college. And then once I got out on my own, I was like, dude, I need to figure out how to make some money. Holy crap. Like once yeah. you actually get out into the real world, it kind of gets you to the point where you're like, dude, how, how there's gotta be a better way. 100%. Yeah, walk us through uh, your path then. So like what happened like, you know, during that time you said 15, which is funny to me that you drop out of high school and yeah. you go to college at 15. And then what happened there? Like, when did you decide and what was your transition? And then like, bring us all the way to how you got into real estate and what age that happened? Yeah, so like 15, I didn't go straight to college. I was like doing drugs and, you know, living a crazy life. And then I think about like 19 is when I started going to college and then about 24, I, cause I went to college for a few years. I was like getting close to graduating. Um, at 24, I was like, all right, like I need to start making money. Like I'm like, I just need money, more money because I was, I was working two jobs. So I was making like, I don't know three, $4,000 a month. Um, and I was able to like pay my rent and I had a car and I was taking care of stuff, but, um, I had a business and long story short, it was failing. It was the barbershop. And I remember one day this guy walked in and, uh, he had a nice Nixon watch and he had a Lexus or something like that. And I was like, Oh, this guy, this guy has money. So I was like, dude, what do you, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm in real estate. I was like, how much do people in real estate make? He was like, oh, like 50 to 60,000. And I was like, oh, okay, well, and you only have to work one job. And they're like, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just get into real estate then because then I could make more money and have one job instead of working two jobs. So I became a real estate agent at first. And then... Uh, one of my early teachers uh, told me that he made $100,000. That was like the first person ever that I heard make $100,000 or I never even like 
thought about making a hundred thousand dollars. And after he told me he did that, I was like, all right, this guy could do it. I could do it too. So then I just went all in on being a real estate agent. Hmm. What age was this? Uh, this was like 25. 25. Okay. And so how did that go? Did you do well? Did you like it? Did you not like oh, it? Yeah. yeah. So because I've always worked, so I have my uh, sense of hard work is my work ethic is high because I used to work from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. cleaning by myself in a hotel. Like it was like, all right, Dakota, your job in the next eight hours is to clean these six bars until 6 a.m. Eight hours. You just gave me 12. And you're by yourself. 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. Like you, that's your job. So I would just do that before, you know, headphones or all this bullshit. You're just working all night. Just, you know what I mean? You're just doing, <laughs> it's not like, oh, I can put it in the ear pod and listen to some podcast or some shit. You know, I'm just working, working, working get off of that job. I would sleep in my car, drive to my other, I would sleep in my car, take a nap, wake up, go to my other job at like eight, work there. I would do that on the weekends. And then during the weekday, I had a third job. So like, I understood what hard work looks like. Like even before I had a car, I would work all day, get on the bus take the bus an hour and a half to my other job, go to the back room, sleep in the back, wake up, work eight hours. Like I understood hard work. So as a real estate agent, I was like, oh, so you're telling me I could work as much as possible and there's no, no limit like to how much money I can make. So I like, I honestly made like 150K my first year. Like literally I crushed it because I understood hard work and I would go to the office and I would see other people chatting and BSing for two to three hours. And I'm like, dude, that's why you guys make no money. Like you're not working, you're here, but you're not actually cold calling. So I just started cold calling like crazy. And like, I freaking crushed it and made like six figures every single year as a real estate agent, I got up to like $500,000 a year as a real estate agent, just, wow. just, just a solo agent by myself. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before. And honestly, we've tried several different CRMs and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. That's awesome. I want to talk about how important is hard work and then like, and the reason that I asked that is because I think that whenever you do become a business owner, it's interesting how hard work starts to look differently. So talk about yeah. how important do you think hard work is? And do you think that people get stuck in doing hard work or like, what do you think about it? I think everyone works hard and you just work different. So like maybe right now I'm not cold calling, but what I'm doing is I'm spending an hour training my people. Then I'm going and spending an hour uh, thinking about how to get more leads. Then I'm taking an hour and talking to the marketing team. Then I'm taking an hour and talking to our coaches. So it's just different work. 
even like Ryan, I there was like a day last week where Ryan did like three podcasts. We had like an event in the office. He was working hard. Like I noticeably saw like, damn, you work really hard. So I think most people think like the more successful you get, like, oh, you just work less. Like it's not the case. You just work different and you get, it's like higher level work not just like lower level mundane do the same boring shit every single day but yeah i think if you like no matter what you're gonna have to work hard tom brady works hard lebron james works hard the president works hard like yeah you're not gonna become successful and just chill that that's not how reality works yeah i like the way that uh alex hormozy defined hard work it was about the how much is actually getting accomplished because that's what i see happens a lot is like we get in such a mindset about what hard work is. So for you, hard work was freaking making the cold calls. Well, that now became yeah. a low dollar per hour task. Now you can work hard, but you have to adjust what you're doing. Now you're helping other people accomplish what they need to accomplish. And from the yeah. outside perspective, now you're not working hard. And so if you look yeah. at other people for what is hard work, then sometimes you can you continue to do the same thing. I was talking to a business owner yesterday. He keeps door knocking properties. And I'm like, bro, you can only door knock for so long. You need to hire some people to door knock for you. But a lot of other people, he gets a lot of admiration because it's like, dude, you're an owner and you're door knocking on doors. That's hard work and you're putting in the hard work. So good job. But I'm like, dude, you can get stuck in that too. So I just think that people need to distinguish and make sure that you get in a different mindset of hard work is not always how you like, you know, you need to look at it. It needs to be like, what do I need to be do in order for the business to get to the next level? I think it's going to be the question you need to ask yourself and don't get so caught up in looking like you're working hard for hard work's sake, I guess is the main thing that I want to reiterate, which you obviously know because you're doing it and your work continues to be different. But I don't know if you made a conscious choice of like, this is going to look different now. Yeah. And I think it does. And then it, it took a while for me to stop cold calling because I'm like, oh, like this makes me money. Like, why would I stop doing this? Mm -hmm. But then I realized like, oh, like if I want to make more money, I need to like hire and train. Like I can't do everything myself. That's not scalable. So there's yeah. a, a scientific principle and I can't remember exactly if it's like force or if it's uh, work or whatever it is. But if you imagine it like this, it'd be like, if you had the strength to lift, lift a hundred pounds and carry it a hundred yards and then drop it. Or if you had only the strength to lift 20 pounds and then take it there and back and lift another 20 pounds and take it there and drop it and, and go back the same amount of work is accomplished. Yeah. It's just that one person may have done more trips taking mm -hmm. more time in order to complete the task. So yeah. that's like a, another analogy or way of thinking about it. Yeah, I want to talk about, uh, I've noticed this a lot lately and it's kind of bothers the crap out of me. I wanted to hear your thoughts on it because you're around a lot of wealthy people. You're around a lot of people um, who are in the coaching program um, who maybe act or they say certain things as if they have money. Uh, and then you talk about that guy with the Nixon watch or whatever and Alexis. How yeah. do you differentiate the people who look like they have money and the people who actually have money? Like, do you, can, do you see a difference? Because like, I hear a lot of people, and I see them on social media, they talk about how great they're doing and how easy everything is. And then, and then I talk to them personally, because I know some of these people, and then they're telling me how much they're struggling and about like, they're, they're yeah. like, you know, they're about to file bankruptcy. I'm like, why do you keep posting like that on social media? So how do you differentiate between like people who actually have money and people who you think are just faking it? Or do you just not even... Care. 
I honestly don't care because I what I've learned also like you where you could see something on social media, but then in real life, it's not the case. I, I've seen couples before where I'm like, man, these people are like the happiest freaking couple and they literally like get a divorce, you yeah. know, or I've seen people who are these big time business people and and like you said, you talk to them one-on-one and it's not what it seems. So like now I, I've always never cared. And I, I honestly just don't believe anything. That's another thing I, I was talking to my therapist about. She was like, oh, do you talk to other people about their relationships? And I'm like, no, because who knows if they're telling me the truth? <laughs> like maybe if we're really close, but most people are only going to give you their highlights. Um and I don't care. You know, I'm kind of just focused on my own thing. Yeah. So how do you know who to take advice from? Because that's what's really difficult for me. I obviously can tell because I'm listening, but like, I think it's difficult for other people to know who to listen to. How would you like, yeah. I'm going to get advice from this person because I can tell that they're knowledgeable. Like, how do you know who to get advice from? Well, I think one thing that I've actually done very, uh, well in my career is asking advice from the right people and sometimes the right person isn't this ultra successful person so let's say for example i am like damn like i need to figure out paid ads on facebook and i'm sure there's a lot of gurus who teach facebook marketing but there's also a lot of people who are just really into it so i'll kind of look for for some of those people and kind of piece together the information and then put it together. I think that's something that I've always done really well. And even with like getting advice from Ryan, Ryan wasn't like super famous when I met him. Um, he was just like a small house flipper in my opinion. So I was like, oh, this guy knows how to flip houses. So I could accept flipping houses advice from this person. Mm. I'm not gonna ask him like general life advice even though he obviously knows it but i just try to niche down to like who specifically really knows the question that i'm trying to get answered so gotcha. yeah you ask, you ask multiple people usually and then see if stuff lines up the similar or yeah so like for example right now i'm i have a property that i'm gonna take 100k to loss on so i called uh landon uh the Bokleys. I called Omar Alfaro. I spoke to Javier. I spoke to Ryan about it. And I got different perspectives on like, you know, what do you think? Should I do this? Why should I do it? Why should I not do it? Like, what would you do? And I, and I get a few different opinions before I make a decision. So, yeah. Do you ever feel like getting those opinions sometimes puts ideas in your head where it's hard to tell if like, it's actually how you feel or not, or are you pretty like, uh, certain with yourself because what i mean by that is sometimes i have different people that like say things to me and i'm like you know i didn't think about that until you brought it up and now i don't i can't get it out of my head and i can't tell if it's my own feelings or thoughts or if it's you brought it on to me and now i can't differentiate between i actually feel this way or you freaking put this idea in my head and now i can't get rid of yeah. it yeah i think I, I i i also try to do that when i'm giving advice i try not to persuade people i just say hey well have you thought about this have you thought about that but uh for me, I just, I overthink things a lot. So what I do now is like, I'll, I'll say, all right, I'm going to ask four people and then I'm going to make a decision like right away. 
so I don't take time to to wonder if I'm yeah. you know That's yeah good. make a rule for yourself like I right, dude I'm just gonna make a decision after I listen to four I got enough advice make the decision yeah. and move on that's good advice and, and then making sure that I'm going to the right person like Landon and Jesse they deal with higher numbers so I was like all right this is a big loss let me talk to them Omar Alfaro owns a property in the city that I'm taking the loss on. So I wanted to get his opinion on the market. Javier knows my day-to-day -day finance and was I wanted to get his opinion on, do you think I could take the loss right now? And I give 100% contacts like, hey, this is how much money I have in the bank. This is how much the loss is going to be. This is how much I put into it. What do you think I should do? Mm. Yeah, not just like, hey, do you think I should take this loss? Yay or nay? That's yeah. That's another thing that I've worked on recently is just having very clear communication and trying to give as much context when I'm asking a question. Mm, like it. You went from being an agent to being an investor. <laughs> how did that happen and why did it happen? When did it happen? So long story short, obviously I was cold calling. I was a realtor. I found a niche of cold calling NODs and listing them. So I was doing that um, and I kept getting investors that were buying them. And then I was like, hey guys, like how much are you guys making buying these flips from me? None of them wanted to tell me. I kept, I kept asking, they're like, oh, don't worry about it, Brian. Just keep cold calling. You're crushing it. And so I was like, right. Notice of default. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um Finally, I got a deal that was like a, an obvious flip. It was it had mold. It had all types of crap. And um, I asked the guy, I was like, dude, how much money are you going to make? Like straight up, like how much money are you going to make on this? He was like, oh, I'm going to make like $60,000. You know, we used to make like $100,000, but the profits are going down. And I was like, bro, I just cold called this person. It took me six to eight months to get a short sale approved. I'm going to make $5,000 because I have to pay my broker. I'm going to pitch in and pay a lien. And you're going to make 10 times what I'm making on the same deal. So like, it was just simple math. And that's one thing I did learn from Ryan where he was like, all right, if you want to make a million dollars, you do 50 transactions to make 20K. Or you could do 25 transactions to make and make an average of 40K and that's a million dollars. So I did the math. I'm like, all right, this guy is making 60K. That's like less than 20 transactions to make a million dollars. Could I do one and a half deals a month? Yes, I think I could do that. Mm -hmm. So that's, it was just simple math. It's very simple math for me. Not that I want to get too far into this, but... Uh... As a short sale real estate agent, you're not allowed to sell it to yourself. Is that exactly correct? okay? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. We don't want to get too far into that because <laughs> we'll get in the weeds there. What would be your advice for uh, like let's say new investors? You obviously work with a lot of new investors with wealthy investor and like everybody coming on. What do you think would be like the best advice if you're like talking to yourself on that first deal or whenever your first deal was? What would be the advice you would give? Uh, like when I already have the deal or I'm looking for the deal before you even get the deal. And then after you get it all the way through, like if you have the knowledge you have now, talk to yourself before you even got the deal. I would say, Hey, look, dude, don't worry about 
shiny object syndrome and building cash flow and learning creative finance and learning Airbnb and, and all this bullshit. Like just look for one deal and partner with someone on it. That's all you got to do. Even if you make 5k, just look for a deal and partner. So that way you learn, you're going to learn from seeing what they do with the property step-by-step. You're going to learn how to find the deal. And then once you get that proof of concept, there's no ceiling to how much money you could make. But most people, they never get to the first deal because they're too worried about the financing, the raising capital, all the other bullshit that they think they need to know in order to like flip houses or wholesale or flip. Yeah. Walk us through your first one. How did you find it? How did you fund it? What did it look like? Did you make money on it? Walk us through your first deal and talk to us a lot about the emotions that you're going through when you're going to like doing this whole thing. Yeah. So I'm going to try to cut it down to the shortest thing. So I was a real estate agent for, let's just say, a year doing short sales. And during, and then I finally figured out, hey, I should do flips. And then it took me another year to actually do it because I was like overthinking it. I was like, dude, like I see these flippers have like these nice beige walls. Like, I don't know what color wall that is. Or like these floors look cool. I don't know where to find this flooring. Like, and I don't know what a hard money lender is. And I don't know, like, you know, I couldn't piece everything together. So what I did was when I spoke to the guy that told me he made $60,000, I was like, listen, I'm going to find a deal and we're going to partner. Like, that's the, that's the plan. Like that's, there's no agreement. There's no nothing. I'm going to find the deal. We're going to partner on it. Like, that's it. That's the depth of knowledge that I had. So I found a deal and I brought it to him. And then he tried to renegotiate with me. He's like, all right, look, we're going to, we're going to pay you out 15 K. You usually make five K you're going to make $15,000. And I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> I want a partner. I'm going to be in this deal from front to end, or I'm going to take this to somebody else. And then he's like, all right, we'll partner. So I was like, okay, cool. So we, we bought the flip. The construction started. I would show up to the property and sit there and look at the floor, the paint, all the bullshit. Like, and, but like it didn't even all that crap didn't matter what 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 mattered was i got proof of concept and then right after that i found another deal and then another deal and then slowly like my my first like five to six deals i partnered and then eventually i was just like all right brother like i could do it and i just started flipping houses by myself wow <laughs> so you started a key um, some way <laughs> You started winning, right? You started yeah. some wins. What made you think that all of a sudden you needed a mentor? All of a sudden you needed coaching? Didn't you think you had it all figured out? Or why did you decide to yeah. ask Ryan for help? Yep. Exactly. So that's that's a good point. So one analogy that I always use in my mind is like sometimes you just need to get on base. Everyone's always looking to hit a home run but sometimes when you're trying to break to a new level or a new skill sometimes you just need to get on base so when i was a realtor 
I started cold calling and I was like, damn, like I cannot get a listing. I was like, you know what? Let me just try to set an appointment. So I'd call people. They're like, I want $300,000 and their house is worth $200,000. I'm like, you know what? Let me go over there and look at this property and uh, see if I could help you. I would go on that listing appointment knowing damn well they're not going to get what they want. It's not even anything, but I'm getting that small win. And then the next one, maybe it's closer. And then the next one, I finally get a listing, but it's it doesn't sell. And then the next one, I get a listing and it gets into escrow, but then it doesn't sell. And then the next one, it gets into escrow and it sells. So sometimes you just need to get on base. Secondly, uh, I was flipping houses, but then I saw Ryan flipping 120 houses a year. And I was like, damn, like there's levels to this. And and I think as a young man, most, most young men don't understand that there's levels. They think like, oh, I could probably stay in the ring with John Jones for, you know, around, but they don't understand in life and in business, there are levels to this game. And I was like, all right, this guy's obviously at a different level. So I haven't figured it out yet. So I might as well just pay. Like, and it was a very clear, like, what am I looking for? At the time I wanted to flip and make a million dollars. It was a very clear thing that I was looking for. It wasn't like, oh, I want to build wealth and 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 have financial freedom. No, that's not clear. My clear goal was I want to make a million dollars flipping houses. It's going to take 50 houses to do this. This guy's doing 120. I only need to do half of what he's currently doing. So I'm going to pay him to learn. Was so your that's... negotiation tactic the same way? You're like, hey, I need you to partner up with me. There's no negotiations here. We're 50, 50. It's, you gotta... I did. I tried to. I tried. So what I tried to do with Ryan, this is before he had coaching. I was like, teach me and I'll start partnering with you. And he was like, no. <laughs> And I was like, all right. <laughs> so yeah, I, with him, I just had a, I had to wait until he, when he, when he wrote a book, I bought the book. When he came out with the course, I bought the course. I showed him that I was willing to do support however I could. And then he had a two day event at his office. It was a one or a two day. I paid for it. And then he announced he had coaching. I was the very first person to sign up because he had what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an, uh, a watch. It was a very clear business model that I wanted. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and, and you did this, the same tactic as you said, get into the next step, man. If you, if he says no to freaking coaching you, cool, I'll buy your book. All right. I'll get, yeah. on, I'll get this. I'm going to get in front of you so many times that you're going to know who I am. And then exactly. got you to where you're at now. And that's what I always explain to salespeople. It's about getting to the next step. The more steps that you get to, the more likely they are to actually get to your end goal. That's the same thing in life. The more little steps that you do, the probability of you getting there is more likely. It doesn't ever mean it's guaranteed because nothing in life is ever guaranteed, but it does mean your chances go up. Every time that you got in front of Ryan or he saw your name, the chances of him working with you now went up. So 100%. yeah, walk us through how the heck did you get to be partners with Ryan? You went from where Ryan is coaching you to where now you guys are now partners in Wealthy Investor. How the heck yeah. did that happen? I think, okay, so there's a couple different things. One, I was 100% bought in because I just like believed 
everything Ryan does or says, I was like, all right, like I believe what this guy says. Like I will do whatever he tells me to do. I'm going to do it and I'm going to show him that I did it. And yeah. And then, so supporting him as much as I possibly could. Um, and then uh, just like being there uh, as a friend and like also like understanding, like I need to give value to him. How could I give value to Ryan? I could help him make money. I could refer people to the coaching program. I could do some calls for him, which costs money, but I could do it for free. I was doing the accountability calls for free. I wasn't getting any paid. I didn't ask for any pay. Um, so just like trying to give as much value as possible. And I think the only reason he made me partner was because, you know, I helped grow the business like, like a lot, like, like a lot, a lot, a lot. So he saw the value and like, okay, this guy will do whatever I ask. He'll, he asked me to do something and not only will I do it, but I'll try to exceed what he asked me to do. And then I'll go back and report and tell him what I did and see if I could do anything better. Like we have some team members here sometimes that I ask them to do stuff and then they like, they'll do what I asked, but they don't go above and beyond to make sure that it's done well, to let me know that it's done, to give me feedback, to try to push the needle where I'm like always trying to help push the needle with everyone. And I think he, he saw that. Hmm. What did that do for you personally? Like, uh, did that just like instantly increase your net worth by a stupid amount Did that like help you feel more like, uh, like, Oh man, I freaking made it. Or like, did it do anything for you personally? No, I think, I think it was already done with like, let like one thing that I've, I've like liked about Ryan is he does a lot of stuff unintentionally. Like he, like the first time he was like, Hey dude, you're going to speak on stage. I was like, dude, uh, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. He's like, dude, trust me, you got it. And that was it. Like, I was like, oh shit. And I was like, okay, like, how long am I going to speak? He's like, dude, just do, you're going to do two hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What do you want me to say? Just talk about real estate. Just, I'm like, oh no. And I was like, scared out of my mind, like literally hella scared. But then after I did it, I was like, damn, like, I'm so glad people reacted well. So he's done stuff along the way, just like that. Like, hey, just do this. Like, hey, just be a coach. I'm like, well, what am I going to coach him on? Just coach him on real estate. I was like, yeah, but he's like, dude, you've done 300 transactions. Just, just teach him real estate. I was like, okay. So I think he's done so much that I feel like has been the most powerful thing. And I try to do that with everyone around me now, like our, our media person. I'm like, Hey, start ads. Oh, but, 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 but. I'm like, just do it. Just figure it out. Empowering them to do stuff and empowering them to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like I'm more scared to let Ryan down than I am scared of him telling me to do something. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to let him down because he trusted me. Mm-hmm. not I'm not like doing stuff just because he told me to do it does that make sense yep yeah it's interesting how it can be both sometimes too like uh I I we just hired a business coach on and then he's telling us to do stuff the funny thing is he tells you what you already know like it's not like 
you know, Ryan told you that it's like, oh, that's crazy. Go run ads and you'll get more deals. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Let me go do that. But then when yeah. they tell you that and the expectations there, again, you don't want to let them down. But then also it's like, that does make sense. I need to go do that. And then whenever you're held accountable to that, he's like, well, tell me when you get it done. Or like, there's, there's, it's very clear of either you did it or you didn't. And it's very clear. Then it's crazy what clarity, certainty, and somebody like holding that accountability for you will do for you and your business. So that's, that's what a coach is for. And what I think wealthy investor really helps with is those accountability calls, the freaking, they tell you exactly what you need to do. Or if not, then you can watch what, what is Ryan doing? What is Brian yeah. doing? What are these other investors yeah. doing? Now you can just implement the same thing. So. Yeah. And I, I've, I've also noticed with him and I try to do the same thing with other people as like, I literally just try to breathe confidence into people. Mm -hmm. Like most people are not confident enough and I have to be like, dude, why, why, like, why do you think you can't do it? Why do you think you can't do a hundred deals? Like you have, you're, you're smart. You're, you're good looking. You're in the right market. You know how to wholesale. Like, why can't you do it? And they're like, uh, I don't know. And it's like, well, dude, just hire someone, hire a salesperson, just do that. Yep. And then, you know, then they have to start like getting it all together. But usually it's like just building people's confidence. And that's what Ryan helped me do. Yeah. You say so many things. I don't even think you know what you're saying sometimes because it's like such good stuff, but you just like say it you're like, yeah, just do this. Like it's important to give people to empower them and give them the confidence. But it's also important to give them instead of saying, yeah, you need to go do a hundred deals or whatever. Just say, dude, hire a salesperson. You told them their next step. Just yep. tell them their next step. Like, dude, you don't need to be 20 steps ahead. And then you're figuring out, well, how am I going to get this person? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Dude, don't worry about that. Worry about your next freaking step. What's your next step? What's your next five moves after that? Don't freaking worry about how much Ryan or Brian or these other businesses are doing. You're going to get there. But that sometimes gets overwhelming when you see the big picture too. I like that you broke it down. Dude, get a salesperson. Yeah, just one one step at a time because like you, you're not going to build a multi-million dollar business in one day. It takes one person, one new thing, one day at a time. Yep. What does your organization look like today through, because you've got uh your rocket home offer but then you rocket. also have wealthy investors so you're responsible wow. for how how many people you're responsible for in wealthy investor and how many um, hours is that taken up and then how many people are you responsible for over at rocket home offer so rocket home offer is on pause right now um i'm still buying rental properties so i have like a property manager for my airbnbs and then i have an assistant that i just brought on but we're going to start back up uh i think we've made a goal for like march 20th start wholesaling again um and then at wealthy investor there's probably like 20 the total organization has like 56 wow um, but not all of them like directly report to me. Um, so I would say like 25 ish. So wealthy investor is a eight figure company now. So it, it takes a lot of time. So it takes most of my time. Jeez. Eight <laughs> when did that happen? Uh, wait, wait, is it, wait, is it eight? So yeah, eight figures. Yeah. When did that happen? Uh, last year. Let's go. So yeah. got a personal question. You can choose to answer it or not. What's your net worth, Mr. Brian Davila? Uh, it's like a multi, 
I have to check because obviously with inflation getting killed right now, it's probably gone down. But uh, last time I checked, it was like between two and three. Okay. And how much of that happened from wealthy investor? Like when that happened and then you freaking like, I mean, it, I feel like it doubled when you joined, just like freaking yeah. shot up. How much of that was wealthy investor and how much of that was already created from your flips, from your rentals, from all that stuff? Well, that's just, I'm not even counting the business wealthy investor. That's just like real estate and then like liquid funds. Oh. So yeah, I'm not counting like the business. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know how to like calculate how much it's worth. That's just like in real estate. So one thing I have done is bought real estate forever. Like as soon as I could start buying real estate, I started buying real estate. So that is majority of it. Wow. That's freaking crazy, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And that's why, like, I could say all types of crazy stuff, but people would, I, I feel like some people wouldn't even, they wouldn't even believe it. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to spend some time with Grant Cardone and some of those. Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. Like that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of people you meet here and you're like, what the hell? Like, you're a billionaire or you're this person or you're that person. Like, and I think, uh, but it's good because now I'm like, all right, like these people are not smarter than me. Mm -hmm. Like they are not grant grant. Even when grant was here, like the first impression I got, I was like, all right, this is an older guy. Second impression is like, he has a freaking team. It's not grant walking in by himself. He has grant, the other guys, his daughter, like they move as a pack. That's something that I learned. And I think that's also like why me and Ryan has have had a lot of success because like, obviously you can go far by yourself, but you go further with others. So like, even with Pace, Pace and Jamil were here, watching them all come in with their camera crew, Pace's wife and her two daughters, Jamil, all of them kind of rolling together, going through life. I was like, dude, you know, at a high level, that's what it's going to take. It's not going to be just me. It's going to take other rock star people like stupid analogy, but LeBron James didn't win a championship until he went and played with D Wade. You need a players. You can't run a successful family with a deadbeat husband and a great mom or vice versa. You need both. So that's, that's, what I've kind of been seeing uh, over and over again is that it's going to take a team to go far. Yeah. I was going to ask you who the coolest person was that you met. Uh, that I've met uh, on the call real quick. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think it would be Grant, but I think so far it was Grant, but like, the only thing that I really learned from Grant is just like, he doesn't care what anyone else thinks. Like he got a lot of hate for his like comments recently. I don't know if you guys uh, saw it. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about or no? Oh, what is it? No, what man, we don't know what you're talking about. What'd he say? <laughs> he, said, uh, he said that he talks in street terms to some people. So that way they kind of like understand what he's saying. And like the breakfast club, do you know what the breakfast club is or no? Uh -uh. Charlemagne the God, or it's like a really big show where like Kanye West, 
Jay-Z, Beyonce, like all these people go go on this show. They were talking about Grant Cardone. Um, and so anyway, so I guess meeting him and like we talked, I talked to him about his daughter, uh, business, like the feds, and he just like doesn't care what other people think. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go down the regular road. He wants to do his own thing. He's like, I don't want my daughter to go to school. I don't, I want my daughter to be around me and, and my business partners. I don't need that. My daughter to be at school with some random girl. And I don't know what her parents are teaching her. Like I need her here. He got in trouble for saying something about his tax returns or like showing people his numbers or what? No, he got, he got, he got, he got a little feedback for saying that he talks in street terms to talk to certain groups of people. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. There's, you're always going to piss off somebody, especially if you post enough social media, man, you're going to make somebody mad. What What do you think about, I love like not caring about what other people think and stuff. And I feel like I resonate a lot with that. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs do. I, I mean, even Ryan does. And to a certain extent, that helps you get to a level because then you're not worried about, you know, pleasing anybody or impressing anybody. But then what do you do? Like, have you noticed maybe in yourself or other people that Sometimes that also holds them back because then they're not able to listen or take advice from other people because now they're so set in their own ways that they're like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And then they freaking crash. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of different things. There's like, there's a difference between not caring what other people think and then like how you treat other people. So like, I think a lot of people just treat people bad just because they don't care what they think. Um, So even though I'm, I've learned from like my first mentor, Craig, and Ryan, like they might, they may not agree with what people think, but they treat them so well that everyone loves them. And that's like, if you want to get to Ryan's level, a lot of people are going to have to love you. Mm-hmm. Like, or anyone's Donald Trump, anyone, you're going to need some like raving fans. And the only way you're going to get raving fans is by treating people the right way and showing them love and giving them whatever you can. Um, but as far as for people who are not listening, I think you have to have, you have to be empathetic and you have to be able to read yourself. Like, where are you lacking? Like, like how I was talking about me being abrasive. I didn't know I was abrasive until people would tell me like, oh, you're kind of like scary. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, you're, you're kind of like rude and like straightforward and then I was like, oh, like I need to pay attention to that and I need to work on that because that's not going to get me very far in life. And I don't want people to be scared around me or not like me. I don't want people to just listen to what I say because they're scared. I want them to look what I say because they believe in me. Yeah, I, I like that a lot because then you know, you're you're focused on like, okay, if I'm trying to communicate this and the person's receiving it like this, and that's not my intent, then I need to change my delivery because obviously it's not, you know, going the way that I expect it to. Whereas some people will say, well, if you don't like that, that's just who I am. That's just how I am. Well, did you intend for them to feel that way? 
well, then maybe that wasn't your real intentions. And so like I've had to I've had to work through that of like, what was my intentions? What was I actually wanting to communicate and how did they receive this as opposed to that's just who I am and I'm going to be me no matter what? No, that wasn't my intention. My intention was to love them and care about them. They didn't feel love or cared about. So, dude, I got to change how I'm delivering it. So it's not like you're changing yourself for them. You're changing your delivery for them. Yeah, I, I remember my father-in-law told me a really good like uh, saying he was like, if a father yells at his kid, disciplines him his whole life, and the kid grows up and thinks that he was abused, but you think you were giving him tough love, mm. who's right and who's wrong? Mm. Well, the kid, because the kid is the one that feels a certain way. It doesn't matter what you feel. You, It only matters how you made the other person feel. Mm. So... I've always like remembered that now. Yeah, that's so that's so difficult though too because sometimes you can't control how the other person's going to react. I can be like I love you and they're like, "Yeah, f you, dude. You're just saying that to manipulate me." And like, "No, I'm being genuine. Like I want to let you know this." And so you don't always know how they're going to react. So that's a tough one, man. That's really hard. Cuz sometimes it is tough. It yeah. is tough, but sometimes you 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 have to look you have to look at the entire context of like why they feel like you're manipulating them. And I think a lot of people don't listen. Um, a lot of people lack clear communication a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think a lot of people lack clear communication with themselves mm. where they think like, oh, I want to be a better person. What does that mean? Mm. What does that mean exactly? Oh, I want people to like me more. Okay, well, what are you currently doing that people are complaining about? Or like, what specifically do you want to get better at so people like you more? Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I want like whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I want to work on my leadership skills. It's like, okay, what does that mean exactly? Yep. Yeah, so. I like it. We have a, we're getting close to the end, right? Yep. The, we have a final question we ask everybody. Oh, there you go. Uh, all the way out into the future, you're 100 years old and you're on your deathbed and you have a final message to the world. It's a, a billboard, a sentence, a paragraph, a mantra. It's Brian DeVilla's unique message to the world. Something that you feel the world needs to hear that is your unique thing. Yeah. What is your legacy? What is your message? That's going to be tough. <laughs> I think... There's a, like, I just have a bunch of random thoughts. I would say a few things. I would say buy real estate. I would say we suffer in our minds more than we suffer in reality. Mm. I would say work on clear communication. <laughs> and I think uh, just, uh, you know, talk to therapists. <laughs> I like it. Hey, what's that, quote, what's that quote about fear, Brian? You still remember that? What's that quote about fear? Fear, fear is fear is an emotion and courage is a choice. That's another one. No. That's another one. Yeah. What would you guys put on your thing? That with it, This is not your interview, Brian. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> that, that was abrasive. This is the Tony and Dakota podcast, not the Brian. Of, not <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how can our listeners get a hold of you if they are 
interested in learning more, um, what's the best way to reach out? Uh, if they want to learn about Wealthy Investor, go to wealthyinvestor.com. If they want to follow me on Instagram on my day-to-day, -day, they can go to Brian at, no, I'm sorry, at the Brian Davila. So any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, no, guys, just buy real estate, get into real estate. Dakota and Tony here started off as freaking sales guy and working in their house and now they're freaking crushing it. So yep. be yeah. like them. We, we appreciate you, your guidance. You helped us to get into these <laughs> and uh, yeah, you were... Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, I know that we're all the way at the end, so we didn't get introduced you, but Brian was our accountability coach. So he was holding us accountable whenever we were first getting started. And then they really helped us to transition into the business that we are in today. So if you guys are interested in, you know, learning more about how to actually build a business as opposed to, you know, we talked a lot about real estate today and real estate investing. <laughs> if you want to learn how to actually build a real estate business, that's when I think you should definitely get into Wealthy Investor. That's going to be the all-stars. If you want to just start learning about, you know, getting into real estate in general, that's when you're going to want to join the rookie program. So definitely reach out to, uh, you know, me or Tony or Brian, uh, and uh, we'll get you guys hooked up with somebody. But thank you for coming yeah. on, brother. Yeah. And for you guys, you guys need to start getting to seven figures a month. Seven figures a month. Okay. Hey, 10X, baby. Did you think <laughs> you could make seven figures before? Probably not. Now, seven figures a month, baby. Seven figures a month. Is that what you guys are doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not allowed to say my numbers. Uh, inflations. Yeah, with inflation, who knows? <laughs> Brian's like me personally. I'm trying to figure out how to do with this hundred thousand dollar loss, but the yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the company is doing all right. I, I'm right. All right, we're gonna end it right here, guys. Peace.